Welcome to another episode of 90 Minutes of Wisdom, a channel dedicated to helping you expand your knowledge and develop a more successful and peaceful mind. Today's guest is an award-winning picture editor. Recently has worked on such TV shows as Mary Kills People, Ransom, 10 Days in the Valley, and Letterkenny. He has also worked on such feature films as The Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Leigh and Let Her Out. He's also an incredible musician and a longtime friend of mine. Please welcome to the show, Duncan Christie. Welcome, Duncan. Hi. How you doing, man? Excellent, dude. Excellent. So good to see you. Good. Great. Yeah, we were just saying we haven't we haven't talked in, I don't know, six years or something crazy. That's the nice um, thing about Messenger though and Facebook, at least like I get to see your you know that's true. your kid grow up and I get to like yeah. send you little things like like the Madrid, the, the Madrid CD I found the other day. Yeah. And <laughs> totally, man. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's, I guess that's the weird thing is that we haven't actually physically seen each other in ages, but still feel like we're connected. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it, it's, um, it's a nice thing about technology that I'm able to see you and able to share in your, you know, um, in your progression and your family things. I knew and I think like, I follow obviously I follow you. Yeah. Stories. Yeah, it's kinda of, it's it's kind of old news, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, it's it's cool. It's 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 I know what you mean. a big advantage of uh of technology. So totally. uh yeah man. So look to uh to begin just to just wanted to ask you uh what are you, what are you working on? What was the last project you were working on and uh you know what what you what are you up to man these days? Um the last uh professional project i did was a, a show called um uh tiny pretty things and it's not out yet it's a netflix show so it's coming out in um i think september they're gonna drop it it's like a it's a 10-part sort of ballet school drama um and it's really well written uh it's the same it's michael mclennan he's the creator of uh, a show called queer as folk which was like a pretty famous show from back in the day um he's a super talented guy and uh yeah so it was a it was a really great cool show to work on nice uh, yeah and that wrapped in um i finished that up in march pretty much like a week before this coronavirus hit and my plan all along was to finish that job and then start diving in full-time into re renovating this house that um i'm renovating our, our new house <laughs> um i was kind of it was it's been going on since october of last year but i was you know working every day so i couldn't really focus on it so i dove i dove into that and that's pretty much what i've been doing every day since march is like doing house stuff <laughs> okay awesome. awesome so when yeah. you get a when you get a project like that and yeah like actually i had a song in one of the episodes of uh queer as folk oh uh, cool way back in the day yeah, yeah right on. awesome um madrid had a madrid had a song in that in that show l word the l word oh yeah remember that it was okay, like yes. another, uh, another gay, gay and lesbian show yeah 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 right <laughs> Right, they have great, fantastic taste in music. They do, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. So, uh, like, when you do a project like that, like, um, like, how does that come to be? Like, did they approach you? Do you have like an agent? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're pretty well known, so they they kind of reach out to you, or how does that work? Um, it was through my agent. Yeah. So I have an agent, uh, and they 
I, a lot of my shows will come to me directly, but the advantage, the one of the advantages of having an agent is that they kind of get they they hear about things before they're before other people do. So, you know, in the early days of these productions ramping up, the agents kind of always have the inside scoop on on what's coming up and stuff. So, uh, in this case, it was my agent who put me forward for it, and then, you know, and then you kind of meet. You, we did like a Skype call because all the producers were in LA. And so we, you know, do a Skype call and we kind of like sort of feel each other out a bit. And then obviously they talk to all of their producer friends and one of them's worked with me. And so they get references like that. Um, and then, you know, I get the gig. Awesome. So is it like, yeah. do you have to like um, bid for it? Is it a comp- like a compete for it? Or it's just kind of like, uh... it's, yeah, it's it's competition, but just but there's nothing you can do about it. It's just like a, you know, you meet with the producers via Skype call or you know in person if they're in town, but if Skype if they're in um, L.A. or whatever, and you know you meet with them, and it's like a, it's like a informal interview. They just kind of want to suss out your vibe or whatever, and then um, yeah, they'll look at your credits and your resume, and they'll you know chit chat amongst themselves and. Um, They've met with you know five other editors, and we're all kind of vying for it. But there's nothing we can really do actively to compete for it. So yeah, it's I guess kind of well, up in the hands. Yeah, yeah, I guess your your work speaks for itself. I guess you know. Yeah, and totally. And if it's it... and, yeah, exactly. And and also like just you know, if the producers feel like it's the right fit for your show, right? Or f- for the show, then then yeah, then you have a good chance. So so do you have a like? Um, unique editing style that people like 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 seek and they say oh well that's like you know um because i'm no expert i'm you know shameful rookie at editing and you know for yourself like you must have that eye to say like oh that can you see something and say like oh that looks like it was edited by or it's in that style and you have like your own style of editing not really no i would say no um i mean editing is one of those it's like an invisible art form where it's it's really you're 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 telling the story and so at a certain point there's not really you're not injecting i mean you're always injecting your own style into it but it's not necessarily something that sticks out as a recognizable trait of your work because you know if you put the same if you if you had like Oh, like I'm the guy that always does like the you know cut 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 long cut cut cut, and like <laughs> you can't do that for everything you're working on because you're all you're doing is you're you're serving the story, and so and you're serving the style of the show and the shots that they've got. You're not you're not gonna like put your style onto something that it doesn't call for. If that makes sense, you're yeah. kind of like uh, we're like it's more like chameleon style where um, you're just you're just serving the story and you're serving the visuals that you're that's that are on screen. So, so the, yeah, I wouldn't say that there's like a, a style that you can imprint onto whatever you're working on. Okay. Other right. than, other than quality, like it's just, you know, is it good? <laughs> that's yep. the style. Sure. <laughs> that's my style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's good work. That's my, yeah. that's, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Is there, um, is there a project that you're most proud of? Like you've done so many amazing things. Is there something that just like 
stuck out to you and you said, hey, you know what, that was either the most fun, the most enjoyable or the final product. You're like, wow, man, like I was really in the zone. Like that was yeah, really, really good. Yeah, there's been there's been a few of them. Um, let me think for a sec. I mean, I like to think that they're all kind of like that, but they're often, you know, they're not. Um, you know, Kenny versus Spenny was was a show that w- it kind of became almost like a lifestyle. Like we were all we all became super good friends, and you know, it was like we had our posse and it blended into our social lives and into our, you know, everyday lives kind of thing. So that was something I was like, you know, I can't pinpoint a specific episode or season. It was more just like an era of my life kind of thing. Cause yeah, I worked on that show for seven years. So it was like, it was or seven seasons straight. So that was like a chunk of time. And I guess I'm, you know, I'm proud of that because it was a, it was a good show. And, um, and it was like, uh, like I said, it sort of spilled into all aspects of life. Um, other things like, yeah, that, that movie that I did for uh, uh, Rumor, it's called The Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee. It's a really like kind of special movie in that it was, we cut the movie at, at Rumor, which is a, it's like a, a horror magazine. It started that way. Um, horror culture magazine and the founder of it Rodrigo Vidinho was the director and this was his first feature and so it was like really kind of you know just something kind of special about this the, the process of making this movie it was like he's such a cool dude and he's such a great guy and so working on it with him together it was like I don't, I don't know it's like us kind of becoming friends and you know anyone that's in that kind of position where they they're sort of entrusting their creative vision with someone because that's what editing is, right? You're sort of uh, the director editor relationship is like, you're like in bed with them creatively. Um, and so I could tell at first there was a, a little bit of that, you know, I don't, I don't know you kind of vibe. And um, usually like a lot of people just kind of want to work with people they've worked with before because it's, it's more comfortable. But he, saw something on my demo reel that kind of, I don't know, something spoke to him and he kind of took a chance on me. And I'm only saying took a chance because, because of that unfamiliarity kind of aspect. Um, but it turned out to be great. And it turned out that, you know, we had a great time and we were totally creatively in sync and we became super good friends, you know, kind of like lifelong friends, um, throughout that process. Um, yeah, another one was uh, I did a show for um, a company called Banger Films. Um, they did a they did a, a movie called uh, Metal Headbangers Journey. It was like a documentary about Sam Dunn, who's the founder of the company. He did like a documentary on heavy metal. Anyway, they 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 produce amazing, like super in depth documentary um, shows, mostly based around music. The show was called Rock Icons and it was again, one of those situations where I really, really admired their work and I wanted to work with them. I kind of like, I kind of knew Sam through some, like, um, through friends of friends. And I'd always been kind of bugging him every time I saw him at a party, like, yo, like, I really want to work with you, man. You know, but I'm, (laughs) but again, it's that kind of thing where it's like, I don't know you, I don't know. And then, you know, um, we start working together and he actually, a proud moment for me was he, 
he drunkenly said to me one night at, at the rap party or something, he's like, I should have hired you years ago, man. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and, and again, became really good friends with the guy. Awesome. Awesome. And how yeah. is it, how is that working? Like you were saying about like, you know, like obviously we know about LA and I mean, Toronto is a fantastic city, but how is the scene there and does it require you? I mean, I know this is unusual times, but does it require you often to fly to LA or you mostly can do it from, from Toronto? Not really. Yeah. It's basically what happens with a lot of these big American shows now is that they, they shoot in Toronto and they'll, and if, if we're lucky, we'll, we'll do the posts in Toronto, which means that the, they'll we'll be cutting it up here and they will just be here. Like they'll relocate themselves to be here. Cause even though it would probably, they would probably be happier at home in LA. Um, there's a lot of, um, sort of complicated union shit about why we can't go down there. There's like, there's the different unions and there's like, this roster of like, it's all like IATSE, NABET shit. Like, it's just, yeah, it's all kinds of nonsense. And also, obviously, the border and the, you know, visas and all this shit is super complicated. So it's easier for them and it's cheaper for them because they get Canadian tax tax credits to, you know, have hire a certain amount of key creatives. It's called key creatives. It's like directors, cinematographers, editors, production designers. Uh, are sort of like the key creatives. And so if they use Canadian talent for those positions, then they get a certain amount of tax breaks, all this kind of business shit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, basically, no, we, we don't really ever have to fly down to LA to, to work. Although that would be a perk. I would like to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was thinking <laughs> that it's not the greatest day, especially in the winter, like a winter in Toronto. I'd be like, eh, I fly to LA for a bit. I'd be. Uh, absolutely. I'd be all over that. If there's any producers listening to this podcast, I would say hire me, but one of my stipulations is that you have to bring me down to LA. To do it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. And as far as like, um, uh, studio, do you have a separate studio? I guess that you work in, do you sometimes work at home a little bit or most like you have a dedicated mm -hmm. spot? Not really a dedicated spot. We basically, we will, we will edit wherever the production, you know, chooses in, in a sense of like, they get sort of a package deal from these big post houses like Deluxe or Technicolor, um, where they they those companies or those facilities will like come on board the production and they will be processing the dailies, like processing the footage, and they'll be doing the finishing, the color correction, the mixing and stuff. So it's kind of like the post package, and with that, you know, they get rooms that we can bring our edit suites into and set up for the for the project. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more working from home now, which is awesome because I happen to be building uh, an amazing custom-made underground bunker studio currently. <laughs> so I'm hoping to be able to use that a lot. <laughs> nice, dude. That that sounds amazing. And what, what um, I don't know if you can talk to it, what, what editing tools or what um, softwares and stuff are you using? Like what, what do you have? So I would imagine there's, you know, it's straight up Avid, just simple Avid, Avid all the way. <laughs> uh, or I'm sort of maybe not editing shows that require me to do any fancy effects and stuff like that. Um, there's lots of visual effects that happen, but they get they happen, you know, with a team of people on their gear. I don't have to. I'm not like 
cutting a you know a sizzle reel where I have to do all kinds of crazy shit. It's just like straight up editing. Um, and Avid is always like the tool that I've used. I've done some shows on Final Cut Pro, but um, no, it's just pure Avid. Cool. Actually, just Avid on a laptop hooked up to a couple of Thunderbolt monitors, and that's it. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. It's, I mean, it's often it's the person, right? It's the talent. Like everyone can have a guitar, but not everyone can play it, right? So does it? Yeah. It's, it's your talent. Yeah, but even but beyond that, I mean, offline editing, which is what I do. There's, it's basically, it's it's just cutting images. So there's nothing. There's Avid is like it's the pinnacle of the equipment you can use. Really, it's it's a simple. Um, strangely, it's a simple technical field there's a lot of shit that happens behind the scenes and there's crazy amounts of like render farms and all kinds of fancy gear for the stuff that ends up in the show but what we do is like we're just cutting with proxies like we're cutting with like hd files straight cuts and then we give that information to someone else and they spend all the time and money making it all super fancy or whatever but the actual storytelling is just super simple yeah you can do it on a laptop basically right cool um you could just have easily been a audio um editor or mixer Mm -hmm. because you're so like you're so talented in that too so do you ever i don't know like now that you've kind of you know established and people know you so well um as an editor and, and working on so many amazing projects do you ever consider like you know in the music thing, like getting, cause you could, I mean, I know how talented you are in that side and that field mm-hmm. as well. Um, like, do, you know, it, so you're asking like about whether I would just do music. Well, you could, or? you could either do like music editing or even like you could do, I know you're capable of doing like even soundtracks or right. uh, any kind of music, anything to do with, I guess, music yeah. when it comes to film and TV. So the cool thing is, is that that's actually what I do. Like I, I, you know, there's, there's picture and then there's sound and as as the editor i'm i'm doing it all so editing editing a tv show is you're not only editing the picture but you're also creating the soundtrack so it's kind of it's actually married completely intertwined with what i do picture wise and that's probably why you know i don't know if there's talent there it's maybe that has something to do with it it's because it's it's I understand how it all works together and I'm, and I'm, I'm using it all together all the yeah. time. Yeah. Okay. Music, cool. Like, yeah. Music editing and sound effects editing and, you know, creating moods and feels by pulling different pieces of music from here and there and mixing them and changing them when they need to be changed and creating the emotional flow of, of the whole thing. That's yeah. It's what I do like day in, day out. Okay, amazing. I, I didn't know. That shows how much yeah. I, I know about the industry. I didn't know. I thought that it was like strictly like picture, but you're doing both mm-hmm. the picture and I'm, the audio. Amazing. I'm doing both. So whatever comes out of my, whatever comes out of my room, like that, that, you know, that the quick time movie of the thing we just created, that then gets worked on by teams of other people. You know, they, they will redo some of the sound effects and they'll remix it and they'll do dialogue editing and recording and, but it's all serving that thing we created. It's all just enhancing it. Like, so the composer will take the temp stuff that I've done and they'll compose music to it, but it, it follows the arc of, you know, 
what we've done in, in the offline suite. Is there somebody in the field of editing? Is there like someone you look up to and say like, like kind of like a role model and say like, that guy's editing is just amazing. And- <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, but uh, I have to say not really. Like, it's a strange, it's, a, it's like, yeah, it's like an invisible art form. You know, you, you know directors and you admire directors' work. Um, and I suppose that's who, because we know we're all filmmakers, so I guess a director is an easier thing to sort of pinpoint as a, as a certain style or whatever. Um, I think the only editor, I mean, I kind of know two editors. There's, uh, this is embarrassing as a professional editor. <laughs> I mean, I, I recognize certain names all the time, but, um, you know, like Walter Merck is the guy that I could pinpoint as like, oh yeah, he's like that famous editor. Um, he, he cut uh, Apocalypse Now and, and but yeah he's like you know an oscar winning sound editor and mixer and um cuts a lot of stuff okay. oh thelma schumacher that's the other one that's martin scorsese's editor but yeah there's no real like role models or rock star editors that you want to you know be like <laughs> it's just a weird it's a weird um it's a strange uh art form in that sense cool cool and yeah. i mean you've done some Correct me if I'm wrong. You've done some directing yourself. Um, yeah. it's, it's something that uh, they say the best, you know, I've heard from the little I know is that the best um, directors often start as editors because they can mm. understand it in the same way you so wisely were talking about uh, music, how music editing, and you can see the waveforms. And I'm, a, I'm pretty good at music editing, you know, yeah. very, very good at it. And, and yeah. Um, so I can see so when I started myself editing, uh, you know, in a rookie level, I, I just I just do everything from the audio because like, I'm yeah. so familiar with it, right? Totally, totally. Which is nice. So having that point of view and against coming from that perspective that some of the best directors start as um, very good editors. Do you see that in your in your future? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of my future and my past. Like I, I got into editing you know, in, in film school, I was, I was more, uh, you know, in the directing path, I was like, going to be a director. And, but, but basically, like directing in the sense that you're telling a story. And I think, or to just be like, yo, I'm a director, and some people do it. And, and I think it takes a certain personality to like, you know, just keep pushing yourself like that, or to keep not really pushing yourself, but it's like putting yourself out there all the time and so you know coming out of college you also kind of need to get a job and so i got into post-production i was always the guy that could do the creative work but also do the technical work so like i was never scared of the technology because you know i played with drum machines in the 90s and stuff and so i i was always like oh i can do this like technical shit i can learn how to use like the tape machines and all that stuff and uh, and yet still bring like a creative, you know, juice to it kind of thing. So blending those two things. And that's kind of, so basically that's kind of how I, the path of editing, you know, came to me. And it's like, absolutely, I'm a, I'm a better director than, than a lot of directors because I'm an editor. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And for sure, when you work with directors, you know, the best directors are the ones who 
understand and respect the craft of editing because it's like that's all you're doing really sorry directors but that's all you're doing is you're getting the shots so that we can tell the story like it's not like i'm saying oh we make it i'm just saying it's um it's part and parcel the same thing you know without editing there's no nothing so and yet without directing there's no nothing either so it's kind of like two halves of the same whole is that deep enough for <laughs> a deep enough explanation of filmmaking <laughs> it's great uh, yeah. absolutely absolutely um is there some directors that you always wanted to work with or is somebody that you know you say hey that would be awesome i would love to cut a wes anderson movie for sure <laughs> um yeah of course i mean sure yeah there's there's tons of awesome directors i'd love to work with um paul thomas anderson david lynch um yeah, all those guys. <laughs> so do you see, like, um, do you foresee in the future, is it something that you like, aspire to, you know, to, to get into that more back back into directing later? Or is, like, you're, you're, you're kind of, like, you know, comfortable in this now? Or is it, I don't know, is, like, there a natural progression? Like, you've earned your stripes, you know? Yeah. So. I I don't know. I think that, I think that directing is it's actually not as creatively satisfying as editing. Um, like I've, you know, I've directed stuff on somewhat of a big scale, not like huge scale, but you know, a proper production where it's like a $2 million movie or something where there's like, you know, a proper crew and big trucks and all of that shit. And so I've, I've worked in that realm and it's, you know, if you're working with the right people, it can be really fun. And it's like a super amazing, fun thing to do. Um, and it's like problem solving and thinking on your feet and all of these sort of fun things that I really enjoy, but it's also a lot of bullshit and a, like a lot of, um, yeah, just dealing with people that you don't really want to deal with. <laughs> um, and so it can be also a total nightmare and it's, and it's not a fun thing at all. It can be awful. Um, and so I always have this, this sort of, um, sometimes I feel like, yeah, you know, like, because I can do it, I know I'm good at it. I can do it. It's not that, but it's the proving yourself, you know, I have to prove that I'm, I can do your project, man. I, I am worthy enough to direct your thing. And, you know, that, that sort of energy of putting yourself out there, maybe it's my age, but it's also maybe confidence that like, I don't have that need to prove myself. So therefore. I think, well, I could, I could also just keep cutting because I have a great career editing and I'm happy and I'm, you know, so like, why, why do I, you know, I don't necessarily need that, you know? So it's not like it's something that's like lacking or that I'm trying to aspire to get to. It's something that I will continue to dabble in. And if people want me to direct stuff, I will um, in the future for sure. You know, things kind of come to me. Like I got a call a few years ago from a producer that I used to work with. And he's like, Duncan, do you want to direct a talking dog movie? And I was like, yes, sure. I can, I can, I'll think about it. <laughs> like, you know, and so I got to direct this, you know, a kid's movie. Um, and a lot of people work for a lot of years to even get to that point. Uh, and I wasn't. You know, I didn't have the directing resume for it, really, but this guy knew that I could do it. And, and 
you know, and I killed it for for what it was. <laughs> what's what's um, the, is that? What's that called? The, the movie. It's called Bark Ranger, and it, it's yeah, it's it shows up on like Super Channel once in a while. It's like I'll get a text from my mom, "Hey, Bark Ranger's on tonight." <laughs> yeah, it's a cute little movie. Actually, my my five year old son watched it, and, um, and he loved it. So yeah, that was kind of fun. That's fulfilling. That's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I wanted to ask you um, as well about so music. Um, you know, you're a very, very talented musician. I remember when we were very young when you got your first guitar, mm-hmm. and you were you were like so good at guitar, so fast. I remember it was like it was like one week. And correct me if I'm wrong. Seriously, <laughs> it was like one week you had your guitar, and I come over and you're like, you're like, yeah, I can already play like eight ACDC songs. And guitar, <laughs> guitar is pretty easy, and like I've never seen anybody ever like be that natural. And you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I can correct you because I, I think whatever the myth is, is is I like the myth better than <laughs> the. <laughs> it could have been true though. I think I did pick it up pretty fast. Very um, fast. Yeah, and I remember. I, I mean, you got you and Danny, your your brother. You've told me that story a bunch of times, and I think it's it's awesome that you sort of like that was your experience of watching me learn guitar was just like, boom, this overnight thing. And it was, maybe it really it, was. It, so. it yeah. kind of was. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a, a, a little bit of a gift, I guess, for some things that I pick up, I can just do like, I can just do really well, really fast. Um, and yeah, my parents have always told me that they're like, Oh, you can, you know, whatever you pick up, you basically start rocking it pretty, pretty fast. I'm witnessing yes. with with guitar and with skateboarding. You're like the oh, best yeah, skateboarder right. back in the day. Like <laughs> like skateboarding is easy and like guitar is easy. Like nobody right. says that, you know. Right. Just, well, that's cool. I'm I'm glad I'm not just saying that about myself. I've got some proof and uh, some living proof with you guys. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. So I wanted cool. to ask ask you about. Um, okay. So I I've been. I mean, I was music producer. I mean, mm-hmm. was whatever. And was for for many 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 years, uh, like over a decade. And what I realized by cutting so many tracks and editing and recording and all this stuff is that I could, when I listen to songs on the radio or I watch a movie, I have a, such a different, unique perspective on the song. Like I'll hear a song and be like, I'll hear the mistake, or I'll be like, that was a crappy edit, or that was rushed, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Oh. And and it's still to this day, there's very few bands that i can listen to some of my favorite bands that i could always listen to was let's say pink floyd no matter what Mm. i was in i could all i could never break it down and dissect it and say Uh that there's something wrong with it or something like that also Uh was m still a very big madrid fan Uh as as you as you know which is uh phenomenal Uh and i wanted to ask you about your perspective on that so still to this day when i'm hear somebody talk or i know when someone's lying because that micro difference in their voice yeah or when they're nervous or anything because yeah. you've seen like i've seen a thousand right. million waves now, yeah, yeah how does that relate how do you see the world now that you've edited so much how has mm. that affected your perception of the world that's that's a good question um i I'd like to say it, it hasn't really. Um, I think it's, I think it's sharpened my, it's sharpened other, like life skills. I guess I'm, 
I'm much more organized. My brain is capable of, of a much bigger capacity of like organization and like sort of problem solving with people. I'm kind of good at like, you know, synthesizing down to the nugget of what the fucking problem is or, or whatever, you know, um, because, and that, and that for sure comes from being a professional editor. And it's like, sometimes, you know, with my wife, it's funny. I'm, I'll, we'll get into a little bit of a disagreement or something. And I'm like, because maybe her perspective is that I'm being critical, but, but then what it is, is that I'm just, I'm actually a professional critic. <laughs> so you have to excuse the fact that it's just, it's just critiquing. It's not, or, you know, it's just my nap. It's my brain trying to like, I guess I bring my work into some things, you know, um, now, now it's like, I sound like I'm trying to say sorry to my wife. Um, so yeah, I guess absolutely my worldview has changed just in the way I, you know, I can process stuff in my brain. But that's also just age and wisdom too, you know. No, for sure. But let's say um, Rowan's having a birthday party, right? Your son's having a birthday party. Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that you're so um, good at editing, let's say, a, a film of a birthday yeah. party, Mm-hmm. Could you see like you can see like what would be the best scenes? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, like, for I, sure. Like, yeah, totally. It makes. I'm. I mean, I guess I. It would make me a better sort of documentarian. Like I'm always cognizant of the fact that oh, this was a good photo or whatever, and so you know, or this would be a good shot in that movie of this experience. Yeah, for sure, it does totally. So, do you have like wicked awesome home movies of like? <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, yeah, I, I would if I just had more time to devote to it. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I I would for sure. I mean, yeah, I've put together some great, you know, vacation videos, stuff like that. Yeah, and I think, but I think as far as like my experience of watching TV shows and and movies, it I think maybe more so at the beginning of my career where I'd be like trying to really analyze the editing, but I don't really do that anymore. It's because, like I said good editing is it's an invisible thing that you can't really you can't really pick up on you just pick up on whether or not the thing that you're watching is working you know emotionally and so um so yeah i stopped trying to like see the editing (laughs) because you you know otherwise then what are you doing you know you just want to be immersed in the story Oh, absolutely. That's, and but, that's why you're watching it. Oh, absolutely. But I was saying, like, just as in with music, that it wasn't by choice. It was like my mind would just start deciphering. So has it, like, uh-huh. ru- ruined any movies or TV shows for you or the experience of watching it? Because can you detach from that, let's say? I can I can detach. Yeah, I could, I could choose to not detach and really just focus on all the technical aspects of what's going on. But... I can detach and and just get caught up in story for sure, yeah. Which I'm I'm happy for because I I think it's I you know I like watching movies and TV so I'm glad that it's like it's it hasn't ruined that for me. What advice would you have for a young aspiring editor director, someone that wants to get into this uh, kind of field? Um, I think I would say. You know, as with anything in media, it's it's kind of like, you know, networking is important. I think it's like, you know, who you're working with is really, it's sort of, that's all there is in a sense. Um, 
there'll be other projects. There'll be other, there'll be many, many, many things you do. And so you kind of pick and choose the things you want to focus on and really put energy into. And it, and it often comes down to the people. It's like, who do you want to be spending your time with? Um, So that would be, you know, some advice, I guess I could give someone that is starting out is like, don't waste your time with shitty people. Because really, it, it's not going to change the course of your life if you do this job or don't do this job. Because there's going to be others. Um, you know, the next job is always coming or the next opportunity is always coming. Um, so don't work with shitty people because, or just, you know, yeah, not shitty people. But just if there's a if there's creative differences or a, a relationship that you don't really want to, you just feel like you're it's not working for you, then don't be afraid to just like move on. (laughs) Yeah. And actually strangely, uh, or luckily I should say, I haven't had many of those experiences where I've, you know, I've worked with many horrible people, uh, maybe like two (laughs) in, in, you know, 20 years of doing it kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I hear stories. So I'm just saying like, Okay, thanks, Ducky, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's been awesome catching up with you. Uh, congratulations totally, on all your success. And I know there's tons more amazing things that you're going to be doing in the future. And uh, thanks for Kenny versus Penny because that was a big <laughs> impact on my life and gave me many hours of enjoyment. Um, awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> with that, I'll wish you a successful and peaceful mind and continued success thanks dude it was great chatting with you and awesome. uh, all the best to you as well thanks awesome bro okay thanks okay. man okay bye like it peace bye